we were all all living Lockie. Um, my husband was living Lockie. My children, my in-laws, my parents, we all lived Lockie and we all leaned on each other. We all needed each other. Everyone played their own role um, with Lockie and loved playing that role. You know, I think we all learnt so much about love and family and we're blessed. The topics in this episode of Brave may be confronting for some listeners as we talk about the pain and the journey of losing a child. We ask that you take care when listening. If this conversation raises any concerns for you, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. I first met Kaylee Downey at a volunteering event where she told me about the journey of how her organisation Unlock the Locks came to be. It's an organisation doing great things in our local community, an organisation that is born out of love. This is the story of where it came from. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Woolgarugaba and Bindle people. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this country and pay respect to their elders past, present and future. So I thought I'd start with um, you run a charity called Unlock the Locks. I do. If you could tell us about what is that charity, what's the purpose of it, where did it come from? Okay. Ah, well, I'm so proud of Unlock the Locks. We, um, Unlock the Locks name came uh, originally my son Lockie. Um, when he was born, uh, he was undiagnosed and we had uh, all the tests you can have in Australia to diagnose a condition um, and one that it just didn't exist. So Unlock the Locks was the start of a conversation. He, we, we were sitting in an occupational therapist session and they were just trying different things with him and they said, oh, we're just... It's just you've got a billion uh, little computers in your brain and we're just unlocking one at a time. And I went, oh, that's coincidental that it's locky and you're unlocking the locks. And then from that it grew because we found that was our everyday because there were no answers. We were just every day crossing each bridge and unlocking one lock at a time and and that was our lives Um would become our lives so I wanted to start a conversation so it just started uh, as a blog to find out if there were any other children like Lockie in the world we had the blog we had the conversation of unlock the locks um, going and we didn't know what that was going to mean Um, and at Lockie's celebration we were donated um, a lot of, uh, you know, we were donated money. And so it just took some time to decide what we were going to do with that. And then some sometimes you're given pieces of advice in life. And, and when Lockie was in hospital, um, Father Dave Lancini, who visited a number of times, um, 
he said to us that the the love we have for Lockie doesn't go with Lockie, it stays with us and we have to find something to do with that. And I think no more important words have ever been spoken to me. Very wise words from Father Dave. In my life, yeah. So that's what we did. The love we have for Lockie we put in to unlock the locks and we paid that forward because we learned that all all you have in the end are your happy memories and they are priceless. You cannot put a value on them and and so we want to pay that forward. That's Lockie's legacy. And a, a big part of I've noticed, or I've known that of, of what Unlock the Locks did is our beach mats on our Townsville Strand. Yeah, look, that was, that is such a legacy because uh, exercise from when the first, even from when Hayden was born, I, I've always tried to be, uh, tried to go to exercise and I find it is a huge mental therapy I highly that's my therapy so we used to go for a walk down the beach with Lockie Lockie loved being in the outdoors so I'd take Hayden and Tyson and Lockie and I would walk the strand and I'd be standing there at Strand Park and my, and Hayden and Tyson would be wanting to go into the water but I couldn't I couldn't let them because they were too little to be going down there on their own and I couldn't take Lockie down there. So I just thought this whole strand is just teasing us. Like it's teasing my children, it's teasing me. It's beautiful, um, but I just thought if I feel like that, there must be so many families that feel like that. So I rang the council. They said, okay, the best thing to do would be to present to our Inclusive Community Advisory Committee and... It wasn't a new idea to council and the, and the ICAC committee had actually had it held over from previous years and they had uh, investigated it um, and it was a project that they wanted to happen but just didn't know when that was going to happen. And I was fortunate uh, that the councillors involved in ICAC, uh, Colleen Doyle and Margie Ryder, just took it took Lockie straight to their heart, took the story straight to their hearts. They knew that that was exactly right and, and, and the motivation needed to just go that step further and find a way of making it happen. And uh, so I had the pleasure of working with them um, every step of the way, every meeting I wanted to be involved in and, and so that we could play our role in that because I knew going forward, it wasn't even about how often it was used. It's about the fact that as an inclusive community, the option was there and, 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 it, and it wasn't for able-bodied only. You know, and that's, again, where all memories start is of going to the beach and having a day together. And that's what Unlock the Locks is about, is those happy memories. So that was almost the symbolism the beach mats almost symbolizes everything about happy memories so Lockie faced a lot of challenges in his life when he was born did you know that he had a disability did you know that there was anything wrong no no he was my third child um I think the more children you have the more you know that can go wrong um, and so I've 
there was just, I had fears when I was pregnant with Lockie. I just, it felt different. Your first two children were born by IVF, weren't yes, they? And yes. Lockie was conceived naturally? Naturally, yeah, that's right. So there's that different element, isn't there? That's Because you'd right. had so much trouble falling pregnant. Yep. It was a complete, it, it was a different pregnancy, but each one had been. And so um, I didn't know, I put it down to that sort of thing. I, I'd express my feelings and and I was always you know assured every pregnancy is different doesn't mean anything all the scans and tests and everything are all fine you know there were no indicators that anything was going to be different um when Lockie was born a few days after he was born I remember us being in hospital and he just wasn't feeding right and his uh, sugar levels had dropped so they took him away and um, and gave him some feeds uh, and, yeah, the, everything was going to be fine. He had a noisy... He was a noisy breather, so he had strider when he was born. Uh, it's purely that the airways are a bit slower um, to open up and uh, that wasn't uncommon and something that probably needed treating and that's what we thought um, there might be some extra care that needed uh, for that. We'd seen an ear, nose and throat specialist and because of the strider and at that stage there was no PICU in Townsville so um, because it was a breathing affected his breathing they um, needed an ICU so we went to Brisbane to have his epiglottis lasered so again we'd spent the six months with him being a loud breather but no other obvious signs of any other problems he was feeding you know all those sorts of things Uh, so then when we went to Brisbane, because of the floods, all the operations were cancelled, but Lockheed's was still going ahead. So how um, long were you in Brisbane for at that time? That time, almost three weeks, um, because... Was it meant to be a three-week? It should, shouldn't have been three weeks, but it because the operation had some success, but everyone was aware there was still something else going on, no one could verbalise it because no one knew what that was. We 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 had a world of unknown, and and that's the thing that we learnt is that we answers weren't going to change anything anyway. Um, all that might help is treatment, but um, nothing was going to ever uh, be obvious. So yeah, that was the start of his operations, his hospital stays, our trips to Brisbane um, and life as we were about to know it. So what was life with Lockie like on on an everyday? (laughs) Oh, it was everything. It was every emotion, every feeling you could ever think of. Every doctor he or specialist he visited you could see the fear in their eyes as soon as they saw him because a throat tug and a chest recession are first indicators of respiratory distress and Lockie lived his life in respiratory distress he and we grew to uh, 
I grew comfort from that noise because then I knew he was breathing. breathing. Yeah. Um, but because there was no diagnosis, it, it made everything harder. It made funding harder. But fortunately, he was given a diagnosis of severe quadriplegia, cerebral palsy. Um, they were the And that was symptoms. to help get funding it, of some sort, wasn't it? It was to help get funding. But his, uh, his symptoms were definitely... Some of those. Some of those, yeah. So it was a legitimate diagnosis, but it wasn't what the only thing that was going on with Lockie. So what therapies did Lockie use? You've mentioned OT, yeah. occupational therapy. What what other supports did he have wrapped around him? He, he had uh, he had two uh, speech pathologists. He had a physio. He had an OT. He had the paediatrician. He had oh, I wish I could, some of the names I can't even pronounce. So he had a, a lot of esteemed, highly regarded specialists because he was just this mystery that no one could pinpoint what was going on because everything was in normal range. And in the end, Lockie was Lockie. And I'm glad that he didn't have a label. He, What he managed to bring to so many lives, <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't want to have put a label on it. Uh, another element I thought of that um, a lot of parents experience is having to, because he didn't have a diagnosis, you were constantly questioned and uh, with regard funding, but also with regard to receiving treatments. And it goes against every grain of a parent to be talking about their children negatively. 100% it does. (laughs) And that is something that is not unspoken about, but I don't know that people acknowledge that even doing that, having to sell your child in a negatively way in order to get support goes against everything a parent should have to do. And I don't know what the answer to that is. I just know that it was a big part. It, it was it was hard. It was a big part of um, the difficulties with Lockie that yeah isn't necessarily mentioned very often. I just totally resonated with the. It's so hard to talk about your kid in a negative light to get your kid help and the label type aspect yeah. is a massive big issue. You've mentioned the therapists and and. Mm. Occup- they would have played a massive big part in your role because he would have been receiving these services quite regularly yeah how does a relationship look like between these therapists these people form a big part of your life yeah they do that's right and you you want and your children are everything so you're giving your everything to these people in their hands and and each one was beautiful each each person we saw loved Lockie like I did and it made that a lot easier um as wonderful as the therapy sessions were and the and the therapists were that I got to know and trust with your everything, um, he was he he was sick a lot. He he always had something that was affecting his respiratory even more than uh, his laryngomalacia. And 
So he'd miss a lot of therapy sessions because he'd have to work really quite hard in those sessions too. It it was hard. It was hard work for Lockie in all of his sessions. Um, We were blessed to think outside the box and we had a a dear friend of ours, um, Leslie, who massaged Lockie and oh my god the photos I have of Lockie receiving his massages and the bond that created between Leslie and Lockie. Lockie would just light up when he saw Leslie walk through the door because he knew that skin on skin and just that muscle relaxing. I can't speak highly enough for the role um, massage plays as as a therapy Um, and that's that is one element that as part of Unlock the Locks developing is is getting kids those sessions because it was the only one where he didn't have to work, he could just enjoy and he just loved it. And it was so beneficial to him too. So So there he there was lots of layers to his abilities and disabilities. That's right. But that's he had a right. Kill a smile. I've seen his photos. Yeah, that's 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 the thing about Lockie. As soon the second he felt a bit better, he's his eyes, he could just see, would light up and he'd just smile. Because that is all Lockie really wanted to do. Lockie, Lockie was a a blessing. He, and still is, but it was an unconditional love. And you knew the second he was feeling better because um, his, his eyes just, and smile, oozed his love and... I went off track there because it was about um, the fact he couldn't communicate. Well, talk. He communicated he through his smile. He did communicate, yeah. He knew when he right. was not happy or not okay or not impressed? Every Everything. Uh, that's exactly right. He taught us so much. He We did learn. Um, we we learnt you don't need words to communicate. Uh, it, it, we were never in any doubt what Lockie was thinking or feeling. Um, and how simple communication can actually be. Yeah. He, he was just he was just happy unless he didn't feel well. They yep. were just every that was just Lockie. Yeah. So you've mentioned a lot about the supports that Lockie had around him. What supports did you have around you? Yeah. Well, I I was so blessed with support. In fact. Lockie united us. I don't. I never would have known what support was around me, but it wasn't just me. Um, we were all all living Lockie. Um, my husband was living Lockie. My children, my in-laws, my parents, all the brothers, sisters. We all lived Lockie, and we all leaned on each other. We all needed each other everyone played their own role um with Lockie and loved playing that role you know I think we all learnt so much about love and family and we're blessed um life if it wasn't Lockie Life's always going to have reasons to, uh, opportunities actually, to, to find out who's important to you and, and, and the role they're going to play in your life. And you can miss it if you're not looking for it. And 
um, yeah, I'm being blessed by the support. Um, you were also working through all your time of supporting Lockie. Yeah. And you've mentioned to me before that you used to take Lockie to work. Yeah. So he, we were, we had a family at that stage. It was a family business and, uh, and it was a transport company that from day one of Lockie being born, I'd, I'd, I'd had done, I did bookkeeping for myself. So I had a number of clients um, and, uh, and when Lockie was born, I would take him in two days a week into our family transport business. And in there, we had a lot of uh, drivers, truck drivers that, you know, whose hearts were as big and smiles were as big as Lockie's and, and, uh, and, Lockie adored them and they adored Lockie and, and they played a huge role. They'd make sure they'd just, yeah, they'd come into the office, go looking for Lockie to have a chat and, and walk away with a little piece of Lockie love. And, um, yeah, um, I know all of, they, yeah, they were lo- some of Lockie's best friends. So. Yeah. Can we talk about the day in November? Yeah. Yes. Um, Did it start off like any other normal day? Well, so going back a few months in August, uh, Lockie, we were in hospital with Lockie. He had uh, RSV, a respiratory virus. That's, again, like anything else with Lockie, wasn't uncommon, but in Lockie it was having a huge impact on his breathing. And he, he was, re- you know, everyone was really worried about Lockie then. Um, and at that they were really long days. That was the beginning of August, middle of August. And then he came good. Took that again. That was a couple of weeks stay in hospital, um, and he came good. But I don't know if he ever fully recovered from that. Um, he was particularly fragile, even more so. If that's hard to believe, considering how fragile he's been his whole life, but. Um, I often think about that morning because I do remember getting back in the car and going, is there something else coming? But I was thinking it might have just been, an, you know, another hospital stay with a flu or something. I, I don't know. You don't, I didn't necessarily trust any instincts because we'd spent almost four years just really never knowing. So you were always on edge, I think. You were always self-doubting, scared, everything. So I don't know that that day was any different. Um, So then I'd given Lockie his lunchtime feed. And you were at work? Yep, sorry, yes, you were at work. Um, and uh, as I've said, he was peg fed. I'd given Lockie his lunchtime feed. He hadn't had a sleep that morning. Um, but, you know, there were some mornings he didn't have a sleep. And so then I took all of his tubes out to clean and wash and everything. When I'd unpacked his feed, um, I'd, I'd changed his nappy. And I stood at the door and looked back at Lockie. And he looked at me with the most 
I don't know, it was just this magical smile. And really engaged me, he always engaged me in the eyes, but he, he just, I don't know, it's just the way, I'll never, just never forget that look and that smile. But I walked out and I cleaned, went and cleaned his tubes and I came back in and as I came back in, um, one of the other drivers came back in after me and he he finished for the day and he went in for his his locky love and and he just couldn't get yeah he just said Kaylee you need to come in and yeah Lockie didn't wake up from from that moment and there was no reason like everything with Rocky Lockie there was no reason why it was that moment and so Lockie spent um, four days on life support and never, never opened his eyes again. But um, I'm grateful we all got to spend time with Lockie and say our goodbyes and, and that ease those last days. We, we tried to do, um, tried to do organ donation um, but unfortunately, uh, there just wasn't any suitable recipients. But in my mind, it was, yeah, that day that I lost Lockie. You mentioned organ donation. And over 18, you can register to be an organ donor prior. Yeah. But under 18, you can't register your child to be an organ donator until the time comes yeah had that ever crossed your mind not at all prior to then <laughs> not at all and i would think that it wouldn't cross many parents minds no so when the time came for you yeah was it and was organ donation asked or was it straight away you thought this is something i want to do a bit of both Probably more asked because at that stage you're still clinging on to hope too that um, that you're just looking at these machines. We spent a lot of time looking at machines and, and so many specialists said um, that the machines aren't... Sometimes the machines don't tell the story. You've got to look at Lockie, but when Lockie was on life support, I was looking at the machines because it would show how many breaths he was taking and how many were being taken for him. So I, you're still hoping that, oh, you know, Lockie's took, he's taken a few more himself. And so we were still really hopeful. So, but we didn't hesitate when we were asked. We didn't know what was involved in that, though. Um, it's quite the process, and I don't really want to say anything negative about that process because I don't want to do anything to discourage anybody um, participating in that because if it's meant to be, it will be, so long as you've opened the door for it to be. So um, I encourage everyone to do that. Um, on your website too, it also says that people can volunteer to be involved and unlock the locks. Yep. What does that look like? That can look like anything they want it to. Um, can people go in and assist families in their homes? 
to help volunteer? What does that look like? Not through I just think when you us. went through yours, did you ever wish that you could have someone that could come in and just watch Lockie to give you a break so you could walk out? I know there's lots of families in town. Not walk that, out. Yeah, what I, mean, no, no. I mean, walk out and catch your breath. Walk yeah. out and go and have a coffee by yourself. Or even just you and your husband go out and, and, and have a date. Yeah. Well, look, that's one thing Unlock the Locks wants to provide to families um, as as in having a weekend away together or a family holiday together and that sort of thing. Um, we want to create the happy memories together on the day-to-day basis. It, yeah, it, um, Unlock the Locks sounds like it's an organisation that's there to provide or make a wish for families. Pretty much. That's and, what and we like to do. It, it's that, yeah, it... It for, um, but then also champion some change within our community as well. So, those strand mats that was a mammoth effort to bring that to Townsville and to have that here, yeah. But that comes from people like you championing that, and that's what we want. We, yeah, we want people to lead with their hearts, honestly. It, it, you don't know what you don't know, too. So, and, and when people don't have to walk in your shoes right. to know what you're experiencing, for the average person who doesn't need a wheelchair to get around, probably does, doesn't consider the challenges that would be like for a person like Lockie. No, and and that's understandable. And that for a family like yeah, that. that's exactly right. It's only because I walk we we walked in the shoes that we know. It's the same with the. Uh, the beach chairs over at Magnetic Island, um, I know that they are used a lot at Horseshoe Bay and Arcadia and it is something as simple as those sorts of things that can change the whole experience for a whole family and then going forward that the difference one memory can make in in the whole decisions of life. I, I don't think people... Well, you, as a, again, you don't know unless you've walked in it, but how precious and, and, and determining memories can be in uh, your whole attitude to life and looking for the positive. Very wise words. What more do you want to see come from Unlock the Locks? Oh, look, you... You know, you just simply treat other people how you want to be treated. None of us have choices as to how we're born and none of us know what's going on in someone else's life. So just treat everybody kindly and I want everyone, I want an inclusive community and everyone to feel some of Lockie's love and know Lockie's smile and that be his legacy and us just purely be the vessel for it. We don't want... It's not about us, it's just about paying his love forward to a community and if we can do that for as long as we can, I'll be the proudest mum alive. (laughs) There are so many community organisations out there and honestly, whatever you're experiencing, there is support and I know it's difficult to find the information but you know better than anyone, Teresa, with your organisation that... Uh, you, there are ways of if you. They're like I don't a needle. Know if I can say CIC, yeah, but the, yeah. you know there are there are information services, and there will be a community organisation that can help you. So uh, I know you can get bogged down in day to day life, 
but just know you're not alone. None of us are. And, and there's people around in our beautiful community because we do have a beautiful community that can help. It's not Thank you easy. for being so brave <laughs> in sharing this story. I get it's a really, it's a beautiful story to share. Lockie's left an absolutely amazing legacy. You're welcome. Thank you. Throughout our conversation, Kaylee spoke about some of the projects and goals of Unlock the Locks and how it has helped to promote inclusivity within our community. The organisation was also a key driver behind the revamp of Watamuli Park in Elliott Springs. It facilitates conversations about inclusivity within their local schools and seeks to provide equipment and support to families with children with disabilities. Community members are welcome to volunteer their time and skills to assist with the organisation wherever possible. Please visit www.unlockthelocks.com for more information via the link included in the description. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.